Welcome to the Dirtbag State of Mind podcast from the Climbing Zine. I am Luke Mihal. And got a little winter climbing story to start off the new year, 2022 here. This one is called A Climber in the Winter of His Content. And the title is actually a riff off something I wrote, A Climber in the Winter of His Discontent, probably when I was like 21 or 22 and I was living in Gunnison, Colorado and was really into climbing and anyone knows who's lived in Gunnison knows that the winters there are long and cold and you're not able to get on real rock often for months at a time. This piece was written after, right after I moved to Durango, it was written in about um, probably 2011. So good 10 years ago and I realized that living in Durango uh, was a warmer mountain town than Gunnison and escaping out to the desert um, to climb some warm, dry rock was possible in December, January, February. And I was also going through a lot of life transitions. This one was originally published in volume four of the climbing zine. And we're gonna be putting out a second zine book um, with some some of our favorite stories from volumes one through 13 um, that are all out of print. Volume 12 is still in print, but it's about to be out of print. The difference between this second zine book and the first one is that this one's going to have photographs from those early zines that hardly anyone has anymore uh, because we printed so few of them. Um, now we, you know, we print five to ten thousand per copy these days, but then we are printing, you know, just hundreds or at a maximum around a thousand. So look forward to that. As I always say, the best way to support the climbing zine and to support this podcast is to pick up some merch in our store, pick up a zine, pick up a subscription, some books. We're also going to be ramping up our Patreon a little bit more. Um, so look for that here in the future. But for now, yeah, picking up something in our store. There's a, a link for 15% off in our show notes. And you can just click on that link. I'll take you right to the store and give you a little discount when you check it out. Let's get into A Climber in the Winter of His Content. Hey everyone, Tommy Caldwell here. You know, everyone, at least in the climbing world these days, is trying to figure out ways to live more intentionally, to live a less impactful life. And one of the best things we as climbers can do to make that happen is to support and buy things from the companies that are doing the same thing, the companies that are figuring out ways to lower their carbon footprint, lower their chemical usage, make their products out of recycled materials, make products that just don't wear out. And you know, the only company that's doing that well in the ropes and hardware space is Edelrid. They've been innovating the best products for over 100 years. They invented the sit harness. These days they make unquestionably the most high quality ropes, the lightest weight carabiners, and really they're just awesome all around. So check them out at www.climbgreen.com. I've spent so many cold, lonely winters without climbing in the heart of the Colorado Rockies. I guess I deserved this one. A winter when I escaped to Indian Creek, Utah, the crack climbing mecca of the world, as often as I could. But then again, what do we deserve? What is our right as humans, as Americans? Is this land ours, or is it borrowed from the ancestors, or from the future? Regardless, the land is there, and I needed to experience Indian Creek with my friends more than anything that winter. It was the winter after my dream job dissolved, a full-time job in higher education with benefits. 
Relative freedom for a nine-to-five. A writing gig where I could put my talents to use and be adequately compensated. Like many Americans, I lost my job as the economy went downhill and was left wondering, just as my 30s began, what now? I often wonder how deep I would have sunk into depression without my hobbies, interests, and passions. I think about everyone who lost their jobs, and I feel for those who did not know what to do with their time, sitting around unemployed, glued to the television, waiting to work. A climber does not have this problem of time. If a climber has a buck or two to scrape together, a climber goes climbing. Base camp for last winter was Durango, Colorado. I was new in town, and I spent many nights alone, with my heart aching for human companionship. I searched around for rocks and trails. With plentiful climbing areas, endless single-track trails, beautiful women, and hot springs within reach, I quickly loved Durango. Its proximity to Indian Creek sealed the deal that I'd found my new home. The trips to Indian Creek are blended together in a cocktail of memories. And now with the snow falling outside of my writing window, I try to assemble them in the order of which they happened. There were highs and lows. And I know as a human, I'm drawn to remember the highs more. Though I can recall that the winter climbing season at the creek started with some lows. The name Creeksgiving has been given to the celebration of Thanksgiving with 20 to 30 of our closest friends. We gather at the Super Bowl, our favorite campsite, for climbing, food, games, and general relaxation. Last year was the worst. Temperature-wise, that is. It was cold, and the lows dipped into the single digits, and one night even hit zero. Camping in these conditions is pure survival mode. All the water freezes, and it makes camping more of a chore than a pleasure. Somehow, our crew stuck it out and had our Thanksgiving dinner with a vibrant celebration. We cooked turkeys and dug out pits in the ground as we always do. Mike, the mayor of our event, tended to them all day long while the rest of us played. Our friend Sean had the keen sense to borrow a 20-person wall tent, wood stove and all, where we cooked dinner and kept everything and everybody warm and happy. Part of Thanksgiving for us is coming together with other climbers friends we haven't met, and our crew was delighted that some 20 other folks joined us for dinner, celebrating America's simplest holiday, sharing food and drinks. Two new friends who bought over a pony keg and a turkey fryer were especially heroic, as the freezing temperatures did a number on the coals in the turkey pits. We ended up finishing the half-cooked turkey in the fryer. Because of the cold, it was hard to do too much drinking that year at Thanksgiving, and we surprised ourselves by how much climbing we got in during the day, not being hungover and all. With sunshine, no breeze, and temps in the 30s and 40s, climbing is a downright joy, a revelation that kept me going back for more that winter. Back in Durango, I searched for work and for meaning. Incredibly, after placing an ad in our local weekly newspaper, the Durango Telegraph, I scored a house to live in all by myself, for a very affordable price. The retired couple who owned the place needed someone to live there and keep an eye on it while they wintered in Mexico. To a dirtbag climber like yours truly, it was a mansion, complete with a TV room for movies, a wonderful kitchen with every domestic appliance imaginable, two full bathrooms, and an extra room for a guest. 
There was a solarium that provided passive solar heat, and I made the living room my writing space. Morning writing sessions in this place were absolute heaven, while the nights were a mixture of enjoying being alone and just simply being lonely. Finding work was harder than finding a place. I was able to freelance for the Telegraph, but it seemed every steady job I applied for had an infinite amount of applicants, and thus I only got one interview the entire winter. As a person who identified my well-being with a satisfying job for the last three years, this change took some getting used to. We all put our ego and self-worth into something, and I realize I do this with my work more than anything. I also had fears of loneliness when moving to Durango. I think anyone does when they move to a new town. By a great stroke of luck, one of my best friends, Tim, had also moved to Durango to start a new life. So while I lived 10 minutes west of town and spent a lot of time alone in the mansion, I still had human companionship I could rely on from time to time. My other best friend named Tim, T. Drizzle, as we'll call him here, rolled through Durango after the December holidays, and together with Tim and Ben, a Durango climber we met at a local crag, we all ventured out to the creek. Pulling into our beloved Super Bowl, we forged through the couple inches of snow and had our choice of every single campsite. It appeared that no one had been there since the last snowfall, and our tire tracks carved through the snow to camp. We set up our tents amongst the snow and gazed at the south and north six-shooter towers to a fire-red sunset and retired to the campfire, a modest meal, and a chocolate dessert. The night was cold, but not near as cold as Thanksgiving was. Sleeping bags seemed like a divine refuge, the only place one would want to be out in the desert this time of year. I dream of a woman to share my tent with, but I also dream of climbing red rock splitter cracks with my dear friends, a dream that would undoubtedly come true when the sun came back around. We awoke to have Indian Creek all to ourselves. Mornings are usually leisurely and slow at the creek, any time of year. Unlike many forms of climbing, nothing is rushed. We have time to do whatever we want, drink coffee, read, stretch out, organize gear, or just simply chat it up. As I do some yoga, I look across our camp to the ever-present six-shooter towers in the distance and the other red rock walls, which start getting sun when it arrives over the Cliffs of Insanity, a crack just north of our campsite. The hills around camp are snowy, and as the sun, the divine source, reaches camp, it signals us to complete our morning routine and head out climbing. This day, we venture to the Catwall, a cliff that receives ultimate sun, usually one of the most popular at the creek. We have the cliff all to ourselves. During the busiest time of year, there could be 30-some climbers at the wall. For good reason, the cat is absolutely stacked with crack climbs. The most current guide for the area lists 80 routes. In many areas of this country, this wall could be a climbing area in itself. As we hike up to the wall and the blood gets flowing, my thoughts flow as well. When I'm in Durango in society, I can't help but feel a constant nagging that I need to get a job. At this paradise, hiking up to these walls, all I can think about is climbing. A pure, honest motion of hiking up to the rocky, winding trail leads us to the sunny cliffs. The feeling of sunshine is so divine. January just feels perfect for the moment for climbing. 
We warm up on a moderate 510 crack and then find another crack to climb. The perfectly vertical hand cracks are so good, they swallow our hands wrapped in tape as our feet go into the crack. In these cracks, fear isn't present, only an athletic meditation of vertical progress. The more difficult finger cracks take only our tips, while the feet are left scrambling for the quarter-sized edge or a place in the crack to insert the edge of our rubber in the end of the shoe. After a few climbs, we're intoxicated with happiness and make silly jokes and noises as men will do. Everyone is smiling. T. Drizzle has introduced us to a new theory of his, the Rock Temperature Index, which he refers to as the RTI. We laugh directly from our souls as he proclaims in his best weatherman impersonation that the temperature of the rock is 70 degrees. Off in the distance across the canyon is a great formation nicknamed the Cat, the namesake of this wall. The Cat watches us as if in approval as we bask in this domain, our rock climbing heaven. The days are short, and with the light fading, we are reminded it's still winter. But what do we care? Back at camp, we have a fire as we cook another modest meal and eat chocolate again for dessert. Ben has left back to Durango. T. Drizzle and I drink beer, while Tim sips cola. After a while of joking and talking about what we'll climb tomorrow, the tent and sleeping bag beg me to enter their refuge again. Another morning at the creek, another similar routine based around the heat of the sun. I stretch out with some yoga, planting my mat down in the dirt, attempting to find some space in my always tight neck. T. Drizzle is quiet as he stokes the small morning fire and cooks up bacon and eggs for us. As a party of three, much like the musketeers, we head to Broken Tooth. We search the wall for a warm-up, and Tim ends up leading gingivitis, a long pitch with a chossy beginning, followed by an overhanging thin hand section above. This climb might be the worst popular warm-up at the creek. The 510 grade often suckers people into thinking it will be a good first climb of the day, as it did for us this day. In reality, it's a chossy crack for about 80 feet or so, followed by a stout number one Camelot-sized crack. A brutal warm-up for us. Tim leads up while T-Drizzle belays. I take some photos and then start walking around the cliff to scope it out. Incredibly, I find a right-facing dihedral that is mostly off with and appears as though it has never been climbed. I hike even further past the wall, taking photos of this elegant dihedral, zooming in to see if there are no anchors on the climb. Sure enough, there are not, and I work myself into an excitement, thinking that the crack has never been climbed. I'd always wanted to do a first ascent in Indian Creek, and I run back to my comrades as they finish gingivitis to tell them what I've discovered. They aren't as excited as I am, but as true brothers of climbing, agree to get involved in this endeavor. I run back down the trail to the car to get the bolt kit. A quick check of the kit reveals I only have smaller bolts, designed for granite. The line would have to wait. Instead of making our way to an unclimbed line, we head over to the most traveled route on the wall, Rock Lobster, a perfect hand crack to find finger crack crux. In the busy season, the line is always occupied. In the winter of our rock climbers' content, we have it all to ourselves. The RTI is up to 70 degrees again for sure, our weatherman proclaims. We climb until we are exhausted and then head back to Durango. T-Drizzle heads up to the front range to visit some other friends, and I get back to the routine of writing and looking for work. 
When Tea Drizzle comes back through Durango, it takes absolutely no convincing to venture out to the creek again. What else would we do with our lives? We caravan out west towards beloved Red Rock Desert in the middle of the week, the Super Bowl campsite, empty again. In the busy season, we're always scrambling to find a site. In the deep of the winter, I almost hope there's other climbers there for some company. Alas, it's just me and my best friend. Armed with longer bolts for sandstone, I convinced T. Drizzle to check out the unclimbed line on the right side of Broken Tooth. After a warm-up, we head over to the line, which I consider naming after his front gold tooth, a result of a nasty breakdancing accident a few years ago. I figured the name would be appropriate for the wall. The line starts in somewhat loose rock, with protection in a crack that's about half an inch wide. Footholds crumble off as I climb up and down the rock. Quickly, I resort to aid climbing as the climb turns a small roof into a flare, the crack just larger than an inch. T-Drizzle settles into the despair of a long lead belay as I aid through this section, and then a hundred foot of off-width looms above me. Suddenly, I'm not excited at all about the possibility of a first ascent, and I have T-Drizzle send up all our off-width gear on the tagline. There's a reason that the pursuits of first ascents have mostly faded at the creek. More often than not, they involve off-width, and for the average suitor, a new route takes most of the day, with one person struggling above, and the other, in another kind of suffer fest, a long belay. Why do this when you could be climbing perfect splitters one by one, all day long? I go into a mode of climbing and prayer as I fit my body in the off with for inches of upward progress. I curse myself for the pursuit as I put my off with skills to the test. Knees on one side of the crack, heels and toes on the other. My arms chicken winged into the crack, my entire body filled with dust from head to toe. T-Drizzle sends up the occasional words of encouragement, the only reminder of the positive and optimistic notions I had before starting up. 90 feet up the off-width section, I place my last piece of big gear, a number three green big bro. I warm up and finally reach a hand crack, jamming it until I reach a spot to place the anchors. T-Drizzle sends up the drill kit. I am weak and not psyched to drill the anchors as the sun is quickly fading. Defeated, I sink in two bolts with the hand drill, and then I rappel and clean the gear, leaving a top rope for my partner. He seconds the route in style with the last rays of light for the day. I feel exhausted as we hike down the trail, relieved to be done with the climbing for the day. My heavy pack sinks into my aching body. The campfire and food restore warmth to the soul. On our next day, I decide to rest and belay tea drizzle, building back my belay karma I used up the day before. We're at the catwall, and it's somewhat crowded, at least for February anyways. The weekend has started and the highs are reaching the 50s. Nearby, one young girl is loudly complaining about her ex-boyfriend and another group has a crying child. As we bask in the catwall's high temps and I belay Tim, we yearn for our lost solitude. T-Drizzle is headed back to Oregon at the end of this trip and we decide to head back up to Castle Valley for a tower. It didn't take long to get back to the creek. But by the time I did, Old Man Winter had passed yet again, and the spring brought warmer temperatures and more climbers. I solicited other partners, one being my good friend Adam Farrow, who nabbed the first free ascent of Snaggletooth. 
He was surprised that I would give up the FFA so easily. But I still hadn't forgotten the punishment it inflicted on me, and I was content to just give it a climb on top rope. It was a gift I was more than happy to give Adam, as he wiggled and wormed up Snaggletooth with grace. The smile on his face afterwards was evidence I'd made the right decision. Good karma is more rewarding than personal glory, and karma always comes back around. Seasons always flow together, and memories are unreliable when it comes to detail. Nearly a year later, my life is in a similar crux, and I'm embracing the creative lifestyle and philosophies of a dirtbag climber more than ever. While my memories will fade more and more with each passing year, I know there was a time when I didn't have a job or a clear direction of where my life would go from there. Yet somehow, I was a climber and the winner of his content amongst friends in our desert home, a place called Indian Creek. That was a climber in the winter of his content, a piece I wrote for volume four of the climbing zine. Pretty trippy to read through those words that I wrote um, almost 10 years ago and that climb Snaggletooth. Um, I didn't name it after Tim's gold tooth in the end because it was just a little too haggard <laughs> to um, commemorate my friend with that name. So we called it Snaggletooth at the broken tooth wall. and. That kind of led me down uh, a path of first ascents in the creek, and you know I'm not, I don't meticulously keep track of how many, but I know between our group of friends, I think we put up maybe a hundred climbs, mostly at the cave wall, uh, which is in the new book. But it's it's yeah super trippy to think at that time I didn't even have a job, and now my job is the climbing zine, thanks to you all for supporting it. And um, just a walk down memory lane and a good winter climbing story for you all. I hope you enjoyed it. Music for this podcast is from Devin Dabney. Our digital editor and producer is Chad Rich. And from somewhat snowy Durango, Colorado, I'm Luke Mihal. Peace. <laughs>